We are virtually traveling 5,000 miles away to catch up with our guest today. Hey everyone, it's Randy Halsey here with Backstage Pass Radio. And I'm super excited to bring my guest today to you all the way from Stockholm, Sweden. He is the talented drummer for a band that has sold more than 10 million records worldwide. The band has had two records on the Billboard Top 200 charts, and he also had three hit singles on the Billboard Hot 100. Let's head over to Stockholm, and we will chat with Ian Haugland of the ever-popular band Europe when we return. This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. Ian, hey, hey. Hey, Randy, what's up, man? Oh, it's good, man. How are you? Welcome to the show, and thanks so much for dropping in. How are things with you? Just fine, man. It's um, the best time in Sweden of the year, you know. It's it's summertime, and it's sunny and warm, you know. Otherwise, it's always dark and (laughs) snowing in Sweden. Right. First of all, how did I do with my Swedish hello? Was Was I on point there with the hey, hey? Yeah, 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 okay. exactly. Okay. That's, that's the right one. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I, w- I was kind of doing a little uh, uh, fun research there, and there's apparently yeah. there's multiple ways to say hello in, in Sweden, so I'm like, man, I hope I do the right one there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would also like to uh, also like to welcome a uh, a co-host that uh, normally I, I fly solo, as we were talking a little bit about in the, uh, the, the pre-recording. My co-host today is a bass player for Mr. Wonderful and the drummer for AMFM, local bands out of uh, the Houston, Texas area here, Stacy Steele. Stacy, welcome to uh, the show with myself and Ian. Hey, Randy. Hey, Ian. Hey, how are you, Stacey? I'm doing great. Uh, happy to be a part of this. Yeah. Well, welcome. Yeah. And uh, Thank you, Randy. Yeah. My pleasure. So, Ian, first of all, maybe you can pl- explain this phenomenon for me. And I don't mean for you to maybe explain it scientifically, but share your thoughts on it, if you will. So in my research, Sweden is very interesting as it relates to daylight. And it's my understanding that, you know, it may be different in maybe northern Sweden versus maybe in the Stockholm area. But is there truth to the fact that in the far far north, the sun doesn't set in June, so you have like a month of complete sunlight, and then in January, it's completely dark. Is that, Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how it is. The summertime in, in uh, the northern part of Sweden is, uh, yeah, you know, the, the sun never sets. Wow. It's, uh, it's, it's beautiful, and it's wonderful in a way, but after, you know, a couple of a couple of nights when you you I mean you can't tell the difference between day and, and night. It certainly uh, you know uh, messes up your uh, sleeping routines. So it's, it's it can be kind of tricky you know to, to fall asleep in the summertime. But then again, in the winter time, it's dark all the time. So then it's uh, you know as hard to to wake up in the morning. Sure. So it's yeah it's it's kind of weird, but it's. Um, it is what it is, right? Well, that's interesting because I think in, in like the north, northwest, like going up towards Alaska, you know, there's certainly days where the, you know, you have a long, long periods of sunshine, right? And, and whatnot. But here in the Houston area, we don't, we don't have those types of things. It's, you know, we do a daylight savings time. So it might get a little bright outside earlier in the morning versus later, depending on when we change times. But we never go like 24 hour periods, you know, where there's like complete sunlight and complete darkness. Like that would be really, really weird to me. Yeah. It's kind of, um, kind of like that with Sweden that you have, you know, the four pretty uh, defined seasons, you know, you have the winter, you have the spring, summer and, and autumn. They're, they're all very significant. So it's, it's kind of, um, in the same time, the summer is always too short. You know, yeah. You, you want, you won't always want more summer. Sure. But it's nice, you know, when you get into the autumn and, and uh, the leaves and everything turn 
yellow and brown and everything. And it, it, it's a beautiful, you know, the countryside is really beautiful in the, in the, in the autumn and, and with the time, a lot of snow. And so it's, it, it is kind of, um, you definitely know what, what season it is. Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't know what season it is here in Houston. It seems like it's summer, like year around here in, in uh, Texas, yeah. but you said you're in the summertime right now. Like what, give the listeners maybe uh, an idea of what kind of weather you have outside. What's the temperature, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's been, yeah, this summer, it's been kind of, um, we had a couple of heat waves uh, when it got up to, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is in Fahrenheit, but we, we went up to a 35 degrees okay. uh, centigrade. Yep. So it's, uh, it was really hot for okay. being Sweden, you know. Sure. But uh, on, on a regular summer, when at, at the best, maybe 2025, 20, I would say. And, um, well, it's, it's kind of dry. And um, for some, you know, maybe a week or two, it rains uh, heavily. So it, it's, it's kind of, you can never really be sure what it's going to be like. Absolutely. But it's, um, yeah, when it's beautiful, it's, it's gorgeous, you know, in, in the summertime. I could imagine. But, um, and, we, yeah. and, and, you know, here in Houston, we really don't get the snow. You know, if it snows, it's very rare here. You know, it'll get cold, yeah. but it's not the same cold that like you guys probably get in Stockholm. Yeah. <laughs> big, big difference. But uh, right. anyway, yeah. enough of heliophysics here, Ian. Like, I, that's not why I got you on the show. But it, <laughs> yeah. it was interesting to find out a little bit more about that. It, you know, I learned so much just from. Yeah. Uh, coming up to speed on my guest and doing little homework things that I would never know because I've never lived in those parts of the world. So very interesting. And, and thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you were born in Norway, then later moved, that would be east, uh, over to Sweden, correct? Yeah, that's right. I was born up in, in the actually north of the polar uh, circle. So I was actually born on, on August 13th, so it's almost my, my birthday. Right on. But, um, yeah, I was, I was born up, up in, a, in a small, like a fishing village up in the Norwegian fjords up sure. there. Uh, yeah, my, that's, that's my home, uh, the hometown of my, of my father. But they moved back to Sweden. My father got, got to work in, uh, outside Stockholm, so they moved before I was well, maybe eight or nine months old. Okay. So I never really grew up in Norway. Gotcha. But, but I, I still feel every time we go to Norway to play with Europe, or I feel at home there. It, it's um, something in, in, in the DNA, I guess, that, well, sure. that dr- draws me to the fjords. That makes sense. Well, as, yeah. a, as a young boy growing up in Sweden, but being born in, in Norway, what types of music or maybe even individual artists were you latching onto as a as a young teenager growing up in in Sweden? Well, I remember quite quite clearly the first my first connect with music. It was my my, my older sister. She had a like one of those vinyl record player, you know, with a with a speaker in the lid. You know, you put it up and and play the the, the vinyl singles on it. And she had a couple of singles with the, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. So uh, I remember She Loves You by the Beatles being one of the first songs that I really connected to the music and, and got the rush, you know, and felt like there was some kind of a energy that grabbed hold of me. So sure. that was, uh, that was the, the, the earliest memory uh, I have of, of, of listening to music. But other than that, I think my first, my first connection with hard rock was in, it must have been in 1970 or so, when, when, when I heard Black Sabbath paranoid on uh, Swedish national, national radio. Mm-hmm. It was like a, like a hit chart, week chart thing that they, they ran every, every Saturday morning. Or, and um, Black Sabbath paranoid came on, and, and I just remember, you know, being grabbed by that power of the of the rock music and sure. you know the guitars and, and drums i could definitely tell that i wanted to be i, I was drawn to that power you know and i wanted to be part of that I, I needed to know more and so that was the first time i i really got interested in in um, in rock music yeah and then so- it went on to deep purple black knight and um 
all those early 70s stuff kind of. So you knew at an early age that you didn't want to be a construction worker when you got older, right? <laughs> you wanted to you wanted to play yeah. some kind of music for a living. Yeah, that's right. I remember even many years before I started playing, uh, sort of playing drums, I usually ended up in my mother's kitchen banging on the on the pots and pans, you know, just taking all the pans and, and building a, a like a drum kit out of the, sure. the cooking pans and banging them with, with a fork and knife, you know, and it was something about about that, you know, banging on, on things sure. that made sound. I'd have to ask another drummer on the show here. Stacy, were you a pots and pans kind of guy too, or were you, did you go straight to the kit, so to speak? Well, I got lucky because my parents were in a band and my dad was a drummer too. So there was a drum set in the house. So I would play on his drum set. But uh, when he was using it, yes, uh, I'd go to the kitchen cabinets and uh, get Tupperware and pots and pans and anything that I could get to hit on. And, and of course, I would make, you know, just a row of endless pots and pans to hit. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Ian, so Ian, what Stacy's saying is he was a privileged kid growing up, right? He, he didn't, he didn't oh, have yeah. to bang on the furniture and, and funny objects. He, he actually had real toys to play with as a kid. Well, I did that too. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> absolutely. I totally relate. Yes. Well, Ian, do you remember the first, uh, like the first live, concert you went to do you remember you remember back in those years like that oh yeah yeah definitely the first my first real rock show i went to with my schoolmate and his mother which was a little bit uncool at the time but uh, this was in 1976 i was 12 years old and um, um my my friend's mother had got us you know bought us tickets to see Richie Blackmore's Rainbow nice. at the concert house in Stockholm. And this was on the Rainbow Rising tour when they were at their very best. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's it, in my opinion, because Rainbow Rising is, I would put as the album that made me start playing drums. Sure. So that was the first, my first real concert to, to see Richie Blackmore and Cozy Powell and, you know, Ronnie James Dio, Jimmy Bain and Tony Carey on stage, you know, with that giant rainbow all across with, with all the lights going on. Sure. Well, you, you'll be glad to know that you are in good company on the show because I will have Tony Carey coming up at the end of the month. And I feel really honored because in talking to Tony in the previous two or three weeks, he doesn't do interviews anymore. And I, I feel very honored that he was willing to sit down and chat with me. I think he's in Belgium right now playing some shows, but uh, so when he comes back, oh. I'll have him on the show. So uh, you're, you're, in, you're in good company here. And I've always been yeah, a, yeah. A, a Rainbow fan and a Tony Carey and Planet P fan, you know, from, from the day for sure. Yeah. It's my understanding, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, but I don't think you came from musical parents or a musical background is there is there some truth to that like you kind of but you know with the help of your sister that was kind of you know the form formidable time for you but you didn't have parents that were musicians like stacy mentioned earlier his mom and dad were traveling musicians right so they were very much into that lifestyle whereas your lifestyle was a little bit of the opposite correct yeah definitely my my father you could strum maybe one or two chords on an old guitar when he had a couple of drinks, <laughs> but that was, that was more, for, you know, but others than that, no, my mother, she was totally tone deaf okay. and my, and my father, he, he was not, well, nah, not really, you know, they were a little bit of, they listened to some records and stuff, but they were not really any interests. They didn't have yeah. any interests in, in music at all. So that was something that I found out, for myself through my sister you know she yeah. she was the one that introduced me i would say and um I, I, what i can remember is that that force that that um power that the music had on me it was so significant that that i just uh, i immediately felt that there was nothing else you know sure uh, when when my you know classmates started playing football and started in you know uh um, driving their bikes around, chasing girls. I was, you know, listening to 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 records, and and uh, later on, I was 
spending my time in the, in the rehearsal room. Absolutely. In, in some, yeah, you know, just playing drums all the time. So it was something that came to me, you know, yeah. from yeah. wherever. No, that, that <laughs> completely makes sense because my mother was a, a pianist. But my dad had no musical background, and and I would probably venture to say that you know mom didn't spend years and years and years playing the piano, but but she had a a good foundation of it. But they never really preached music, you know. It was never a prominent thing in our house, like you would think. You know, being a pianist, you would hear more music. So I'm I'm kind of along the same lines as you, where I just. I somehow got hooked at some point in time and I just never looked back. Like it was just, it was a love for me that it, it was undeniable. So I get where you're yeah, coming from. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember that the, what, what I used to do before, years before I started playing drums myself, apart from banging on the pads and pants on my mother's uh, pants and, 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 and stuff. I used to, to, to draw stages with with amplifiers and and drum kits and everything i I didn't really know what it was or i I had seen some (laughs) pictures you know in a magazine but i I started constructing my own uh, stages and stuff like that so interesting i was definitely uh, interested in that stuff they call those visionaries ian you were a visionary yeah. And I was going to say, Stacy's <laughs> over there pointing at himself. And I was going to say, well, you were weird, yeah. just like Stacy was weird. But, but I said, they're not probably <laughs> weird. They're, they're visionaries. They knew what they wanted a long time ago, right? They knew exactly mm. what they And Stacy, and Stacy's a, a professional. <laughs> Go ahead. You were the same thing. Did you? Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. Well, yeah. two, two yeah. peas in a pod there. So, see, Stacy, you're on yeah. the show for a reason. Light, the lights, the lighting, and everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yep. I think I even started drawing dragons and stuff like way before Kiss and DJ had, had <laughs> okay. them. You know, stage, uh, you know, like uh, designer yeah. things. Right. <laughs> I don't ever remember drawing stages and whatnot, but I do remember trying to draw all of the faces of kiss and how they put on their makeup. So I did, I did remember drawing that. If you guys will sit tight real quick, I'm going to plug a sponsor. So don't go anywhere. Thank you guys for being here. We're back with our special guest, Ian Hoglin of the band Europe and my co-host Stacy Steele. Ian, it's interesting to learn of you and your your side hustle there in Stockholm as a radio host. Talk to the listeners a little bit about the show that you're on. And I think that you've been doing this quite some time, but I I would like to hear more about that if you don't mind chatting about it. Sure, definitely. Uh, Well, it was one of those banana skid things that happened to me. I, I, I basically just slid into the radio studio and uh, got stuck there for, for, for some reason. This was way back in, in um, uh, it was actually around the time when Europe played that millennium um, show in Sweden, in Stockholm. And I, me and Mick, Mick Bekele, the keyboard player and the bass player, we were invited uh, to this radio station called Rock Classiker which is uh, like a, well, classic rock radio sure. station. So we were invited there to just um, do some, you know, uh, do an interview, basically. So we got there, and we were sitting there chatting, and we just had a good time. And, and I just felt like this is fun. This is something that I, I, I could do. Sure. So after the interview was finished, I said to the radio DJ, you know, like, uh, if, if you ever need a, you know, stand-in or, or, you know, someone vacation uh, stand-in or whatever, I would be interested to try it out. So, and, so I just, you know, left my uh, phone number on a, on a piece of paper and, and off we went. And I forgot about it. And I think six months went on. And all of a sudden, the boss for, for the radio station called me up and, and asked me if I wanted to try, you know, try uh, uh, filling out for this guy going to uh, on a vacation. So that's how it started. And this was in, in uh, spring, well, early summer uh, 2000. And, um, you know, I've been there ever since the same radio station. So I've been actually been working there for 22 years now. Yeah. And uh, uh, been doing all the different um, uh, shows, the morning show and the 
early day show and afternoon show and and uh, now I'm doing the the night show well the show between six and ten at night sure so um and and you know i i I used to say that it, it doesn't feel like I've gone to work uh, for one single day because it's it's just an extension of my own you know musical taste and my own sort of musical values. I got a story and a memory to basically every song that we play. So yeah, it's, it's more like being inside my own head. Yeah. <laughs> basically when I'm at work. What a great segue to go from being a world renowned musician like yourself. And you're always on this mm. side of the microphone. You've done countless interviews over yeah. the years. I'm quite sure of, I've seen you on MTV. You've done interviews on MTV. So you've been on that side of the mic. Well, there's really no difference in being on this side of the mic. You just have to come up with the things to talk about. It's just a little different mindset, but it's a natural segue, I believe. And, and I say that because there's been quite a few notable musicians that have gone into a life of a DJ. I mean, one that comes to mind is Greg Kinn, right? Had a big song in the 80s, great musician. Uh, spent time as a, a DJ yourself. So I think, I think it's just a natural transition, right? To go from being a musician to talking about music and playing music. It's all kind of goes hand yeah. in hand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I know there's, there are a lot of, of, of the musicians doing the radio DJing in one way or another. So it's, it's um, well, the good thing with the format that we have is that everything comes natural, you know, all the, all the stories and, and, um, all my knowledge about the music that we're playing is it's all natural. So it, I believe that it sounds kind of, um, you feel, you feel trust sure. to, to the uh, DJ. You know, if you listen to some of those, uh, you know, hit FM, uh, you know, top 40 stations, you can tell that the radio, the, the DJ is just, he, he or she could be working for any radio station. There, there is no soul. There's no heart in whatever Absolutely. they're talking about. So I, um, I agree. Yeah. Well, congratulations. 22 years. That's nothing to, to yeah. bat an eye at. That's a long time. And, you know, it's, it doesn't ever seem that long when we're doing the things that we love, right? Yeah. It just seems like it's, you know, fun to get out of bed and say, I'm going to go have a good time down at the station. You don't wake up bitching and moaning and, and, you know, fighting or, you know, resisting the fact that you have to get in the car and drive down to the station. You, you actually are looking forward to getting there and that's important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, there's so, so many people out there just hating their, yes. their work, you know, like just, just getting up, uh, getting out of the bed in the morning is like, Oh God, do yes. I have to do this? You know, <laughs> and so I have to say, I'm, I've been really fortunate uh, with that, you know, yes. um, being able to, to, to play music and, and to, well, do the radio thing as well. So it's, yeah, I'm truly blessed in yeah, that sense. For sure. Yeah. And, and here in the United States, they would call that the daily grind, right? It's you have to wake up and mm -hmm. get to the daily grind, which is just a, an ass whipping to get out of bed, fight traffic, work, drive an hour home, fight more traffic. It's just a grind. So. That's how we refer to it here. Good yeah. old, good old corporate America, right? Yeah. If you stopped playing music tomorrow, you know, you you put the drums in the closet. Yeah. Um, do you think that that's what you'd be doing full time, or do you think there's something else that you'd latch on, or something that you haven't done that you'd really like to get into? Um, I don't know, really. It's because um, that thought has never occurred to me as. I mean, during the pan pandemic, it was, came to me, well, I was forced into that thought, you know, when, you know, started thinking, uh, well, is this going to be over? Is, 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 are we ever going to be able to go out and tour? And am I ever going to be able to play drums again? Those thoughts were, uh, came around, but I, I think I would definitely continue with the radio, the radio work. Maybe I would get into uh, doing, you know, like, like clinics, drum clinics and those kind of things where you travel around, maybe you go to different schools and you talk about your life as a, as a drummer and a rock star or whatever. Absolutely. Um, stuff like that. I, I think I could do that. But other than that, I'm, 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 I never really thought about it because yeah. it's, uh, it's, al it's always been, it's, it's always been so um, 
definite this yeah. thing playing drums, you know. Sure. It's, uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that I made you think a little bit because, you know, mm, we talked about yeah. that a little bit before. Like you've been asked the same questions a million times over and over again at nauseum. But it's uh, it's good when you get yeah. that one question yeah. that's like, hmm, I never, you know, I've never really thought about that. And I've had a few guests on my show, right. uh, namely Guy Gelso, the drummer yeah. for a band called Zebra, who has done done really great outside, you know, stamping his name on his drum skills and teaching and doing clinics and things like that. And then you have Matt Starr that's playing out with Black Swan right now and and drumming for Ace Fraley, who has his own consulting business Uh and teaches drums. So, I mean, you know, you got to use those skills. You've got the skills. So it did, you know, it makes sense to to explore them and, and to use them to your advantage yeah. for sure. Exactly. Definitely. So of and course, all that experience that you, that you, that you get when you're on, on the road for, you know, uh, 30, 30 years or whatever it's yes. been for me. It's, it, there's a lot of, you know, um, experience that you, you can't get it any other way. No. So it's, it's, I think it's really valuable. You know, a lot of, Young musicians, they want to know what, what should I do or shouldn't I do, you know, and, and uh, so um, with the experience, you, you can help them sure. to, to uh, stay away from certain troubles and stuff like that. So absolutely. Yeah, and it's yeah. interesting that we're talking about that because I came up on the piano and, and I'm, I'm a guitar player and I've never played the drums. And I'm going to put Stacy on the spot a little bit because I said, you know, I'm really interested in the drums. And I reached out to Stacy over a year ago. And I said, hey, could you, could you show me some stuff on the drums? And he was like, no, you don't want me to do that. So I don't know. And Stacy, you can speak to this. Either you don't have the patience to do it, or maybe you didn't even like me. I don't really know what the, what the situation was. But uh, some people can either teach it. Some people can either teach things, or they just can't, or they just don't have the patience to do it. So Stacy, I don't know if you remember me asking you about that, but you share your thoughts yeah. a little bit on you know, why you told me no. I I don't like to be told no, but share with Ian why you told me no. Uh, Well, it it really is just because I don't think I would make a good teacher because I'm a 100% ear player. Yeah. Uh, I completely play by ear. I've never had a lesson. And, uh, you know, maybe some of it's genetic because of the family, but it's the same thing with guitar and bass guitar. I play every instrument that I play is completely by ear. I wouldn't know how to teach notes. I was in band in school and I learned, you know, quarter notes and, you know, some of the basic stuff, which I have completely forgotten over the years. So I think for myself, that's why I could never probably be a good sure. teacher because you can't really teach feel or, uh, you know, ear type playing, which is what I do. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can't teach what you don't know, right? It, it is in short. I mean, you know right. how to play, but you don't know how to teach it. I, Ian, are you, are you a formal you taught drummer or, or musician? Because I know you're a, you're a keyboard player yourself or were at one time. Are you formal on either one or are you a, are you like Stacy more of an ear guy? I'm a totally ear guy. I'm a, I totally, you know, fit into the to, to Stasis uh, frame exactly because I had a couple of lessons uh, when I, you know, the year when I started playing drums. But uh, I never learned uh, to read music or to, to read, you know, like um, sheet music or anything. Yes. Um, so, no, I, I'm, I'm all ear, uh, an all ear guy. But I have to say, I, I had a couple of uh, in the, well, maybe it's... Um, in, in the nineties, I, I had a couple of a uh, couple of students that um, that I taught drums, um, but it was I have to say it was really hard because, as you say, you know, you, it's hard to to, uh, to teach something that you can't really absolutely you, you, you don't know about. So it was very much, you know, I, I was just trying to um, you know uh, try to to, to 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 make them listen to what they're doing and and try to just show them how to do it to sure to make it feel or, or sound good because that was the way I, I learned myself you know i just tried to figure out by listening to to like uh albums with my favorite bands and just trying to figure out i mean 
back in the day there were, were no like YouTube or, or any right. any possible way to, yes. to slow things down or anything. It was just like I have to try and listen what is happening. So I, I tried to to uh, teach that you know to make them listen to music, try to see themselves as part of the music um, instead of I mean a lot of musicians, no matter what they're playing, they they become sort of they, they think that their instrument is all there is basically they find it hard to see their instrument as a part of a of a whole unit i agree so um it's, it's really hard to, to teach when you don't have the skills to teach yep. i have to say but i'm also a believer that some of the best teachers don't know that much technically about what they're teaching they just are good instructors and know how to get points across you know what I'm saying? Mm, um, yeah. And you mentioned it uh, best. Like we, we didn't have the beauty of like tablature for us guitarists, right? There was, what was tablature? It didn't even exist. We learned by putting a cassette tape in the deal and saying, play, rewind, play, rewind, play, rewind. We listened to it over yeah. and over yeah. and over again. And that's how we learned. Now there's so, you have the YouTubes, you have the, you know, all these training aids where, Musicians are learning at the fastest pace ever. So if it took me three weeks to learn a song when I was 10, a 10-year-old now would probably learn that in one day or, or a half a day. It's, it's, it's a really, you yeah. know, it's expedient now. Like it's fast learning. Yeah. I think, you know, that the, the hard way makes you a better um, craftsman. You know, you, mm-hmm. you learn your, your skills with, a, with the different depths if you have to you know, just listen, rewind, listen, rewind, trying to figure out and trying to, you have to, you have to struggle. Yes. The struggle creates perfection, creates something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, if you get 100% on a silver plate and you just consume it, okay, you will sound good, but it will lack something. Yeah. You know, the, the personality and that um, soul that you, that you can only, reach by by doing by rehearsing yes. and, and grinding it yes you know? we we call that so, cutting your teeth uh you know that's a, an expression here mm-hmm. you you cut your teeth yeah. or you come from the school of hard knocks which basically means you got your ass yeah. out there and you just did it until you learned it like and then that's yeah. where it come becomes exactly. more polished over time you know well mm-hmm. we we can't yeah. have a conversation with you without talking more in depth about Europe. First of all, congratulations on sure. on the success of the band over the years. The the band's now been together um let's see if my math is correct, what 40 would be 43ish years, right? But that's a long time. Probably. That's a long time. Probably since the, yeah, yeah, probably since the very first the very first lineup of the band when, when they start, but we, we actually counted next year is going to be the official 40th. 40th anniversary. Yes. So it, that's how we, how we, how we see it, but still 40 years. It's, uh, that's a, that's, that's an awful lot of time. It and, is. Uh, it's amazing that we, we still are together and, and basically the same guys yes. throughout the years. There's not many, that are like that anymore. You know, you have the Aerosmiths, you have the Zebras, you, you have bands like that that have been together for 40 plus years. And it's, uh, yeah. it's a testament to a brotherhood, right? I mean, you, you guys n- not only have to think alike, but you also, it's a culture thing too, where you have to be brothers or it just doesn't work. And I'm sure Stacy could attest to that. Just bringing in a great musician doesn't make it a band because it has to be a feel thing too. You have to get along with these guys. You have to love these guys because you spend a lot of time with them. So there has to be a lot of thought process. That's the same. Absolutely. I mean, and the thing with, with, with Europe is that we, the longer we're together and playing together um, as years go by, we actually become tighter and tighter as, as, um, as friends sort of, you know, in the eighties, there were a lot of fighting about, you know, s- small issues. I mean, just ego things, you know. But these days, we, we kind of, we've learned our differences. And we learned our, you know, strengths yes. between the different band members. Sure. We always um, lift each other up. And yes. we, we, instead of, instead of uh, forcing someone to do something that they don't 
like or know how to do. Correct. It's better that whoever is good enough to do it can do it. And that's right. You know, so, so we kind of, so we tried to, to, to work it that way. And also I have to say after the pandemic years, once we went out on tour again, as we've been with, with your, uh, with Whitesnake and Foreigner early this summer, I could definitely sense a sort of a, a newborn feeling in the band within the band. We've never been so humble towards each other and towards the music and uh, never been so thankful. And I can't remember ever, you know, that we've, that we've been so, you know, getting after the show, you know, telling each other, man, you did a great job. You did a great gig tonight. You know, before it was more like it took things for granted. But yes. After the pandemics, we're much more uh, humble and more thank to the fact that we were still here and, and can do this. So it's that's one of the good things with with the pandemic. I have to say for us in Europe. Well, I I think they call that maturity too, Ian. Uh, you you guys yeah. certainly the older we get, the more we mature, and we yeah. we don't take things for granted like we used to. So I think it's. It's an age thing. It's right. a it's a maturity thing, and, and and I think it's a it's a wonderful thing. You know, young guys are cock and yeah. we call it cock and bull, right? There, there's egos that drive five guys in a band in five different directions, and as you mature and start to develop a a mature thought process, that becomes more of a single thought process versus five individuals or four individuals. Right thinking in those different directions. Now you joined in when I was a senior in high school. So 1984, you were 20, a ripe 20, 20 year old lad that joined Europe. How did the band find you? The band comes from a suburb called Upland's Vesper. And I come from another suburb around uh, Stockholm. And we played in, uh, well, way before the band was even called Europe. They played in around Oplansvespi and me with my band. We uh, sometimes we played in Oplansvespi as well, and sometimes played the same, you know, little festival things and and uh, you know at, at different schools and stuff. They had uh, live shows with local acts, so they they had heard me with my band. So that was the, the the reason why they knew about me. They because I used to be not only the drummer but also the lead vocalist at the okay. same time in in my band. It was a three piece band, and we were very much uh, inspired by Russian budgie and uh, those bands. Sure. And this in this and so I was actually both lead vocalist and drummer, and I was kind of crazy. I tried to play as much as possible, you know, like uh, Neil Peart and. Uh, I think I had a rumor around around the Stockholm area of being a you know a crazy driven drummer wanting to be on, on top of the world. Mm-hmm. So um, I was the first choice when they when they decided to get a new drummer. So they got in touch with me and, and asked me if I wanted to try out with them. I mean, at the time, Europe had when they asked me, they had two albums out. And they were by far the biggest rock band in, in Sweden. So to, to be offered that spot was, uh, you know, that was the, the best, best job you could ever get sure. as a rock musician in Sweden at the time. Absolutely. Well, I think the band really yeah. had picked up momentum somewhere around 82. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was uh, some type of maybe television type of competition or something that, that Europe was in yeah. that really kind of boosted their popularity there, right? Wasn't that some, yeah. somewhere around 1982? Yeah, that's right. It was, it was a, a national, like a battle of the bands uh, thing that went from, from city to city. And every city had a five or six bands that were competing on that night. And one band got to get to the next level, sort of, you know, it was like a, football tournaments in, in rock and roll. And the, fi- uh, the, the final, well, the finale was uh, broadcasted on, 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 on Swedish uh, national TV. And Europe was one of the bands that got to the finals, which was kind of, well, they, they never, because in Sweden at that time, being a hard rock band, that was kind of not cool. But being a hard rock band singing in English, 
that was no, no, you, that would never work in Sweden yes. at the time. And that was exactly what, what, what Europe would do. And they, they took their inspiration from Finn Lizzie and UFO and they sang in English and, and um, you know, they, they wanted to be a, an international band. So it was really unexpected that they, they would get to the, to, to the, all the way up to the final. But they uh, got all the way there and, and they, they won that contest. Okay. And the first prize in this contest was to record an album and to have a recording contract. That's what they did. They recorded the first album from that, from that contest and it got really successful in, in Sweden. It, mm-hmm. it sold like almost gold, mm-hmm. um, which was really unexpected. But that was around the time when, when everything started to, to change. I mean, Scorpions had 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 their the first um, American success with Blackout mm-hmm. that album and and so the world was sort of sort of start starting to to open up for Europe. I mean, America started to realize that well, there are some great you know like hard rock bands in in, in throughout Europe. Absolutely. So um, the timing was really perfect for Europe in that sense. It was what two years after the contest and i believe that was around the time the wings of tomorrow record came out you played on that or did they record that one before you joined or were you actually playing on that one no no they they recorded that with the with the first drummer okay uh so yeah and they did um a tour on that album uh with the with the first drummer and um after that tour they decided to, to get a new drummer. So I auditioned basically, well, the day before or after my, my 20th birthday. So that was a good birthday present to, to, get, the, to get that job. Absolutely. Yeah. If you joined in 84, you fast forward to 86, the LP, the final mm-hmm. countdown was released. And, you know, the, the popularity for you guys absolutely went through the roof you, you had songs like yeah. uh, rock the night carry the final countdown of course talk to me about how the popularity of the band increased at this time well it, it exploded i would say you know uh once the album got out because it was delayed for some reason i think it had to do with well, first of all, it, it got delayed because uh, Joey had some problem with his uh, voice. And so it took a couple of months uh, extra to, to finish the vocals and to get it uh, mixed and all that. Uh, so the first tour we did in Sweden was actually before the album was released. Okay. Which was kind of stupid because uh, all the places that, that were booked were like half empty. Yes. <laughs> because the new album was not out. But once it got, got out, and I remember we were in, in Japan at the time, and um, we had a phone call from the, the Dutch record company, and they said that the final countdown had um, started being requested on, on national radio because they played it on some show, and it was you know, storming up charts in, in Holland. So uh, that was the first chart reaction we had. And then after that, it just... Basically, within a couple of weeks, it was number one in, in 20 countries around yeah. the world. It was, it was so weird. So it, it, it all happened so fast that it was, we didn't really notice what happened. It was just like switching. A you know, light like switch. Turning yeah. on the, the sure. light switch. Yeah, that exactly. Makes, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, how impactful was MTV for you guys at this time? Like you, you had... You not only had a great record that came out in 86 with the final countdown, Mm. but then, you know, MTV comes out around 81 and Mm -hmm. just takes so many different bands to another level. Like, uh, how was that for you guys? Did you feel the, the impact of MTV for you guys as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think MTV had a big deal in in the success, uh, thinking back at it. The video, the final countdown video, that is, it's actually shot on a, at a pretty small place, you know, a small venue with like maybe a thousand people in there, tops a thousand people. It's filmed, the way it's filmed, it looks like a huge, huge arena, you know, with, with, uh, with everything and the helicopter and, and five young, handsome guys wiggling their little, 
behinds, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so, you know, it, it was, it was just all 100% right for the market at the time. MTV definitely made it for us, uh, not only with a, with a final countdown, but with rock the night and Cherokee sure. and, 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 and Carrie as well. Yeah. We have a lot to, to thank MTV for when it comes to the, the success of the uh, Final Countdown album. Definitely. Ab- ab- yeah. Absolutely. They put a lot of bands mm. on the map uh, for sure. And it yeah. was really a time when, you know, you could put a face with a name. Like I remember listening to bands from the 70s that I loved, you know, Ace and uh, 10CC and all of, all of these types of bands. You had no idea what these guys look like. You, you just didn't know. Right. You love the music, but you're like, they were just a figment of your imagination as far as you knew. But when MTV yeah. came out, it's like, wow, that's what Tom Petty looks like? Or that's what Europe looks yeah. like? That's really cool. You know, yeah. so it, yeah. it, it definitely yeah. boosted a lot of careers for sure. So fast forward, yeah. you, you had another great release in 88-ish with Out of This World. Then, mm-hmm. you know, a, a few other releases. Then you got to 2000. 17 with the release of walk the earth was Mm -hmm. this the last full-length record that you guys recorded 2017 walk the earth or did i miss something somewhere no you're absolutely correct that's the that's the last uh, album we've done so far okay we're going to be releasing new music next year during the 40th anniversary but i'm not sure if it's going to be a full album at the i mean right away we might do like many artists today they release maybe two or three songs before the album sure. gets uh, gets released but we're definitely working on new stuff so um, awesome that's going to be really exciting well the I fans mean, the fans will love to hear that for sure oh yeah i mean 2017 it's uh that's a it's actually a long time that's a that's you know, that's that's a, a light that's light years ago ian like that's like yeah that's is. old <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> Well, half a career ago. Yeah. Well, you know, and it doesn't help when the whole world shuts down for, you know, a pandemic either. Right. So everybody's lives stopped for two years. You know what? So you're talking 17 to 22. That's five years. But two of those don't even count because you know what I'm saying? So. I want to shift shift gears just a little bit and talk a little bit about the drums for a minute. And I preface my mm. drum questions by saying that, and I think I mentioned it earlier, I'm not the drummer. Stacy's the drummer. So I'm going to, you know, Stacy, feel free to yeah. jump in at any time and, and pick Ian's brain. But I will say, first off, that yeah. you are a left-handed drummer, which I think is really cool because yeah. I'm also a left-handed person. You know, I think, uh, uh, you know, some of the, the, the greatest drummers out there were were left-handed drummers. You, you, of course, you have the Phil Collins of Genesis and Charles Connor from mm. Little Richard was a left-handed guy. Um, mm. And then I think right. even Ringo, right, was, yeah. if I remember correctly, yeah. he was a left-handed drummer but played a right-handed kid, right? right? So Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah. I think, didn't Bunny Carlos from Cheap Trick play left and right-handed? I'm not Possibly. mistaken. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think he went back and forth. Did he? I th- right. think he did. Yeah. Which I always yeah. thought was strangely cool. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and then you have the, one of my biggest, uh, you know, uh, influences, Ian Pace from yes. The Purple. You Absolutely. Know, left-handed. Yeah. And deep, um, deep Simon purple Phillips. Yes. Yes. I, I think Simon Phillips is, how do you say, he, he changes between right and left uh, okay. you know yep so he's he's but he's a monster you know he, he's i don't know <laughs> for sure well ralph johnson from earth wind and fire was a was a left-handed drummer as well all right yeah, yeah. who would yeah. you say that you're you talked of ian pace other than ian who who were some of the drummers that you were really latching onto or looking up to as maybe first of all a, a young drummer but even, but who are the ones mm-hmm. that you're looking to now as as somebody that's you know aged over the years? So you have the ones that you you love growing up. But who who are the influences now, or do you have influences now? Not not so many like new drummers because it's uh, I find most most of the, the drummers from new bands are in in my opinion they put technique way too 
too much up front, you know, instead of playing with the feel, you know, and, and so I prefer, you know, the old school drummers that had personality before a technique, you know, like, uh, well, Ian Pace, John Bonham, Tosu Powell and, and, and Ginger Baker and uh, Carmine Apice and, and brother Vinnie Apice, which I think is, he's one of the biggest later influences. And that was in, you know, at the end of the 80s that I sort of noticed him. So um, I'm pretty much stuck in the, in the past when it comes to that. Uh, yes. But I mean, it's, 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 I mean, listening to drummers playing with, I mean, like Mike Portnoy and, uh, well, the guys that play with, with the Five Finger Death Punch and, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of bands. Sure. Um, disturbed. And they're amazing drummers. You know, they're v- dead tight and, and technically skilled. But I can't really hear a personality. Yes, um, that makes sense. Which I, which which I think is a little bit a little bit sad. Yeah, I prefer personality before technique. Actually, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Talk yeah. to me about drum endorsements. Who are who, who's endorsing you? Who are you endorsing these days from a, from a manufacturer perspective? When I joined Europe in in the eighties, I, I I played Tama and I was endorsed by Tama, and. Um, the first couple of years and then i went to yamaha and uh, at the end of the 90s and then well actually then i played yamaha again when we reunited in the 2000s and then after after yamaha i basically skipped endorsing uh, having any endorsers because playing in in, in uh, different festivals i just found it more more of a hustle than being um, of any help really because sometimes you know when you get to the festival and they don't have the certain kind of drums that you want then it's uh, you know you have to use something else sure. and if that you know if there's a photo that leaks onto social media you're playing pearl kit when you're endorsed by yamaha it's going to be good yeah it's going to be a trouble so so you know i i, I just stopped uh, stopped doing that uh, because there are so many great drum drum uh, brands out there now. I've been playing for myself. I I, I bought two Ludwig kits like t- ten years ago, and those are the ones that I'm using on tour. And it's it's uh, it's um, a Ludwig Vista Light clear kit that I've been playing most of the time. Yep. Stacy, what do you the, what are you playing in AM FM? The DW Design Series, the uh, clear acrylic. The design series by DW. Yeah, that's really okay. good. Yeah. Did you, you? That sounds cool. Did you have a? You, you had a couple of questions, right? Drum drum questions for Ian. Yes. No, I. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess first of all, okay. So back in the, I during the final countdown tour years when uh, with Key Marcello on guitar, I remember during mm-hmm. his guitar solo, you guys were doing the Flight of the Bubble Bee, oh, whole yeah. band. Yeah. Yeah, Which I, I thought was really cool because even though it was a guitar solo, everybody in the band got to shine in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how did that come about? Was that just was that something that Key wanted to do, or did you guys as a band a, a make that arrangement? Because I thought it was killer. It was a great highlight yeah. of the show. Right. I remember. I remember it was Key. Key came up with the idea to uh, to to do that kind of uh, you know the guitar version of it, and then we I think we structured the 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 thing together in the rehearsal, as far as I can remember. And I think we all had sort of input in, uh, into the arrangement and uh, of that piece, but it, it turned out really good. I haven't, I haven't heard it in a long time, but I'm definitely going to check it out again because I, I remember it, we had, we had a lot of fun playing that uh, piece of music. And oh, I, I remember it. Key, Key was a monster on, on the guitar playing that, uh, you know, the, the, the fast thing there. It was, Absolutely. he played it flawless. Yeah. And one thing about Europe that I don't know if you guys get enough credit as being great singers, you guys live, your harmonies are spot on. Yeah. And, and you, you guys are up there singing and, and it, it, it just sounds amazing. And I don't know if, if, if y'all get enough credit for that as a band that, you know, that everybody can sing and the harmonies are always spot on. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we do get a lot of, of, of um, creds for it. I mean, it's basically the older stuff that we 
on the on the later Europe albums, there are not really that much uh, harmony vocals and stuff like that. It's more like a more uh, old Deep Purple kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely we uh, we do get credit. I agree. Maybe not as much as as we should, and especially John John Norum. He he is a monster singer. He's right. he's, he's he's a great singer. But I think he he has a he's lacking a little self confidence on that because every time when you tell him, you know, man, you should sing, sing more, you know, like you should have a like a like Keith Richards does, you know, a couple right. of songs yeah. where he sings, but he right. just ah nah, I'm 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 gonna be play I'm the guitar player so. Well, that was kind of my understanding uh, about Randy Meisner from from the Eagles, right? I, I and, and I and my facts could be completely wrong, but I think it was, I think it was him. And you know, he was a great singer, but I don't know that he was comfortable singing, right? So, but there was one of the Eagles that wasn't comfortable singing, uh, but have a, but had a wonderful voice. On, right? Yeah, take it to the limit, doing that oh, yeah, live, yeah. Yes. doing it live. He was never that confident about those high notes towards the end of the song. I, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's, yeah, that's interesting. So Ian, you guys, you're, you're accomplished musicians, wonderful singers, and you're all handsome guys, you say. So, I mean, you, you can't get any better there. I don't think. Right. <laughs> what advice uh, would you, would you, <laughs> would you give to someone that was wanting to learn drums for the first time, do you, do you have any advice for a, a young or an old drummer that mm. that uh, is picking up the the sticks for the first time? Well, first of all, realize that it's it's going to take time. You know, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of blisters and a lot of agony to 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 get there. Um, and and don't count of any on on any like fast tracks or any um, fast solutions. Yes. Shortcuts. Exactly. It's, you have to, you have to, to learn the trade. You have to dig into it and let it take time. Let it, let it, you know, grow on you. Cause I, re- I remember back in the day when I started playing drums, you could sit there and, and try to figure out a groove, very simple. And it didn't work. It, it just sounded like shit. Yep. And then you gave up for the day and, and you, come back the next day and all of a sudden it works. It's like, wow, I can do it. <laughs> like, like something has sunk in and your brain has worked out, uh, whatever information. So, and sometimes it, it took maybe weeks to, yes. to, to figure things out. You have to drop the, the thought of, of, of uh, becoming a great drummer within a week or two. But I mean, yeah, that, that's really, you have to be really patient and you have to work hard, obviously. Work really hard and, and listen to your, to, your favorite, to your favorite drummers and try to figure it out. Don't look at them on YouTube. Just try and listen to the music. Don't look at the music. Yes. That's, that's the bad thing with, with the digital recording and digital yeah. editing. You look too much at the music. Yeah. You don't listen at the music. You know, back in the day when you recorded analog what you hear is what you get not you're not looking at a at a grid with a with a with a wave uh, thing and you go in and you can cut anywhere you know sure within a split second it takes away uh, doing that and cleaning up uh, the grid you know uh, the dig- digital grid it creates perfection but it kills personality and i don't think that kind of music has any longevity it's it's the, the dirt in the in the corners that create create life and and uh, uh personality i think that's really important to realize as a as a youngster that perfection is is not uh, uh what you're aiming for perfection is personality is rather more perfection than than um, you know perfection itself no so I, I i agree and that's great advice because I go see Stacy play. I see you guys play. I look on YouTube and see players, whether it's the drums or the ukulele, it doesn't matter. But somebody that's good at the instrument will make it look so much more simple than it really is. And it's only because you guys have yeah. put in your time and, you know, gone through 
hell before you got to heaven, right? I guess is an old adage. Um, (laughs) There's just so many gimmicks out there that says learn the guitar in 14 days or learn to play drums in 14 days. The the fact of the matter, people, is you don't learn to, to do hardly anything in 14 days. So you have to be a realist and understand right. you can't even callous your fingers in 14 days, right? Or you can't callous your hands right. from the sticks right. in 14 days, let alone learn to, to play these instruments with any, any ability. So you, you're right. You, you, mm-hmm. have to, you have to be patient and put in the time for yeah. sure. From mm-hmm. a, you, you, and another, another, thing, another thing that I think is really important for, for young musicians is to try and play together with other musicians. Try and get groups together. Try and interact because that's what it's all about. When you when you're if you want to, you know, have a band, successful band, you have to be able to interact. You have to be able not only musically but also uh, socially. And so the the sooner you can get a band together and start playing together, the better it is. I think. I agree. Because you see so many musicians, great young players on YouTube again, that sits there with their guitar and they're, and they're playing twice as fast as Stingley Malmsteen with, uh, you know, super perfection. Yes. They've never been in a, in a rehearsal room together with four or five other guys creating music together, you know. That makes perfect and, sense. That makes yeah. perfect sense. You talked a little bit about new music. I I wanted to go back to that for just a quick second and be respectful of your time. But what can the listeners expect from either Europe or any side projects? Maybe you do, maybe you don't have side projects going on right now, but I wanted to make sure that I gave you that platform to talk about anything new that's coming up from Europe that you can talk about and anything from yourself that you wanted to talk about as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, from Europe, I think it's, it's always tricky because we never really know in advance what we're going to be uh, doing, you know, how the, in what direction the music is uh, going, you know, because it's, it's, um, we, we are, we've always been like uh, letting the music take the band in a direction rather than the band taking the music in a direction. I think we, we've, on, on the last three albums with, with Europe, we've been on a, on a journey towards uh, more, maybe the more bluesier kind of 70s kind of stuff. And I know that we've, we've been talking about this in the band. And I, I think we're all agreed that it's time to maybe try another direction and, and see what it, what, it, what it comes to. And I know Joe said uh, the other day that he had he'd been working on some some ideas, and he said that man, it's I get the feeling that it's it sounds a bit like Van Halen and a little bit like like uh, more of the kind of eighties kind of stuff, more mel- melodic uh, kind of things. So I, I I really don't know if that is the the direction, but at the time when he was uh, speaking about it, that was where he was. You know, it, it's it's like a living organism. You know, it, it forms As it along goes. the way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so it's it's really it's exciting actually to see uh, what it's going to be like. But if you ask me, I would really I would really love to to make an album that sounded a little bit more like the eighties. You know, with a more party kind of vibe to it. You okay. know, like Van Halen, for instance. Sure. Uh, and especially now after the pandemic, I think I, I think people are more open to more happier kind of music and more party directed music than, than, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for, but I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure where it's going to go. You guys will figure it out as you go. I'm sure just like every yeah. other, every other band does. What about from a personal perspective? <laughs> Is there any projects that you're working on from a, you know, a, a personal uh, perspective that you'd like to share? Well, I've been actually, I've been working on during the pandemic, I've been working on a kind of a solo project. Uh, and, and this is something that I've been having in my mind for at least 20, 25 years to do a, like a tribute album to um, the artists and the songs that I, that formed my musical kind of personality through the years. Um, I, I was working on, on doing some, well, I've, I've done some, some, uh, some drum 
drum tracks to it. But uh, it's, so it's basically a mishmash of, of, of songs by UFO, Thin Lizzy, Deep Purple, nice. Black Sabbath, so forth. So I've been working on that. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, sometimes it's, it's really hectic. Right now it's, it's really not hectic about it. That's a, still, it's a dream that I have to get that all uh, together so I, I can get that out uh, one way or another. Sure. And, but I, I have no idea when it's going to be finished. But it's, it's an ambition that I have, uh, something that drives me, you know, so. For sure. Uh, there you go. If you ever need any wonderful, fabulous guys to play on your record, Stacy and I are your guys, you know, give us a call. Sure, we're, yeah. we, we don't even charge. We're free. Like, right, Stacy? You're free. Yeah. Like, we don't even charge, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where well, can we have a guitar player and a bass player and That's... a keyboard player and a drummer, you, you know, so it's. See, look, look, look no further, Ian. Look no further. Other. Right. Where can the listeners find Europe on social medias? Europe, the band official, I think it's called. I'm not. I'm not really sure, but on Facebook, yeah. Okay. So uh, if you look look up that um, Europe official, Europe, the band official, I think it is even. So uh, try that, and uh, the same goes for Instagram, I guess. Okay. So, um, awesome. yeah, awesome. we're definitely out there. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, Stacy, how about a plug for, for your stuff? You, uh, want to tell the listeners where to go to, to find all of your, your projects as well. Oh, and just, uh, spacecitybands.com. Okay. That's for anything that I'm involved with musically. Yes. And schedules are on there. And I can't let this finish without at least telling Ian one thing that, my very first band I was ever in, we knew five songs, and Open Your Heart was one of them. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> <that's cool. laughs> that was one of our five songs in the very first band I ever played in. And oh, right. our, our first gig, because we only had five songs, I think I told Randy the other day, we just played those songs over and over again. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, Open Your Heart was one of those songs. Nice. So. Right. Thanks for plugging us. Yeah, that's 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 great Europe <laughs> trivia there, uh, Stacy. So yeah. see you. Yeah. It's good to have you on the show here. Well, Ian, listen. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for uh, being here today. This has been a blast. I appreciate Michelle. You know, kind of lining this out for us to chat. Uh, Stacy, thank you for for being on as well, and and always adding your uh, me hang out. Yeah, your your musical knowledge. I'd like to ask the listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And also don't forget to follow and check out Everything Europe on their social media platforms and then spacecitybands.com for Stacy and his endeavors. Just a quick reminder that you can follow the show on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio Podcast, on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio, Twitter at Backstage Pass PC, and on the website at backstagepassradio.com. You guys stay safe and healthy. And again, thanks for tuning in to Backstage Pass Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music. Also make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio.